Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two Footed Podcast. Today is Thursday, the 26th of August. We're brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. It's a virtual privacy network which allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geoblocked from, and also keep your data safe. LibertyShield.com. Use the code EPLVPN and get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do remember to check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops either on their websites or using the Etsy app, which you can download to your phone for free. Right, folks, big news yesterday. Kind of got passed over, but I think it's quite significant. Pep Guardiola, in a recent interview, said that After seven years at Manchester City, he will take a break. Now, those seven years will run out in 2023, which gives Guardiola two more seasons at City, this season and next season. And then that appears like it will be it. I think I'm going to have to stop. I'm going to have to take a break, see what we've done. Next step will be a national team if there's a possibility. So Pep to step away from club football take probably a year off, and then load up in 2024, coming off the back of those Euros, the Copa America, see what jobs are available. Now, you'd imagine many nations will be jumping at the opportunity to get Pep. I can see it appealing to Pep because he would get to shape a a nation's football from top to bottom, from senior team all the way down to schoolboy. That is something that would appeal to him. I think he'd like to work at all the different age groups as well. I think he gets more of a kick from the coaching side of things than he does from the actual managing side of things. I think it'd be a really smart move. I think it'd be a good way for him to recharge his batteries. It's not like Pep is old. He's still quite young in terms in you know in, in managerial circles. He is only fifty, so he'll be fifty-two 
when he um, when he leaves City, 53 taking the national team job. If he did that for a World Cup, a Euros and another World Cup, he'd still only be 59. 50. Yeah, he'd be 59. So he'd have more than enough time then to maybe take another year off and then come back into the into club coaching um, at 60 to that for five more years and then that'll set him up. He can retire at 65. I think that is what we will see being the path for Pep. Two more years at City, a year off, a six-year cycle at international level, a year off, and then maybe five years at, like, say, Juventus. He's already won in Spain. He's won in Germany. He's won in England. Italy would be the logical next step for him. He has long been linked to Juventus as well. In terms of international teams, like England would be fascinating. It really would be fascinating. England have such an incredible group of young players coming through that to give them to Pep, a real top-class coach, rather than Southgate, who, with respect, isn't a top-class coach, Good man-manager without question, but not a top-class coach, not a top-class tactician. Someone like Pep could work wonders with that, maybe finally get England across the line and win something. Spain would obviously want him, there's no doubt. Country of his birth, the country he played for. I, I think he would have interest in that job, but his friend Luis Enrique is currently the, the Spanish manager, so that might not be a possibility. He said he'd like to manage in a Copa America. Argentina, Brazil would obviously be of interest. Whether they would be willing to appoint a foreign coach or not, I don't know. But they could well make an exception for him. He is an all-time great. There's no doubt about it. He's not this mythical figure who changed football the way some make him out to be. But he is an all-time great manager. He's had incredible success. You'd like to see him do more in the Champions League. You'd like to see him win the Champions League, given the money that's been spent. But at the same time, you can't dismiss what he's done domestically. He has dominated domestically with City. Three league titles in five years, beaten the first time by Conte, who's another one of the top four managers in the world, beaten by Klopp, again, top four manager in the world. Great teams at Liverpool and Chelsea. That Chelsea team that Conte had was only two years removed from winning the title under Mourinho. So it was a very, very strong core that he had there. You do look at the situation with with Pep and think, you're going to get disparaged because you're at City, they're not very popular. You spend all that money and you're held up on a pedestal. So you're going to get knocked off. Now for City, this is big, big news that he will leave in two years. They will have the money to go and chase whoever they want, but they purpose-built much of their strategy around getting Pep. The whole club operates to win the Champions League. If he doesn't deliver it in the next two years, then unfortunately some are going to see his tenure as a failure, even if he wins two more league titles. Who they'd go for next, I don't know. Nagelsmann will definitely be one that they'd want, but I don't see that he'll leave Bayern within the next two years unless things go disastrously bad. Thomas Tuchel is someone that would definitely be of interest, but unless he's gone from Chelsea by then, it won't it won't be something that will happen. 
They would love Klopp, but they won't get Klopp. I don't think Simeone would appeal to them because I don't think his style of play would appeal. Now, Conte might, but his track record in Europe is not particularly strong, and that might rule him out of the running. So, Lopetegui, maybe, from Sevilla, he could be an option. He's a very, very good coach. He's obviously won a Europa League with Sevilla. Could be a good step for him. Whatever manager it is will have great backing. But it is it is a bit of a shock to know now that Pep is, is looking at himself leaving in two years. Now, City will most likely try and convince him to stay, whether they'll be successful or not. Who knows? Uh, one person who has left a club is Lucas Torreya, who has left Arsenal to join Fiorentina on a loan with an option to buy. Um, for whatever reason, Mikel Arteta has decided he doesn't need the services of a quality midfielder, despite having a very poor midfield at the moment. Um, Torreira hasn't really hit the ground running in England the way he would have hoped when he was leaving Sampdoria, where he'd been brilliant. Arsenal was just the wrong club at the wrong time. Could have been the right club at the wrong time, but with everything that was going on there, he needed a better environment to walk into. He needed a better partner than, than Granit Xhaka as well. You can't just expect him to do all the running and then do the stuff he's good at as well. But I'm sure he'll do really well for Fiorentina and hopefully they take up that buy option in a year and he goes on to have uh, a very strong career. Uh, on the topic of Arsenal, there's an article on the BBC website about Ben White and his rise to 50 million Arsenal defender and future England captain. Uh, we'll wait and see about the England captain thing, but you know, 50 million Arsenal defender. That's Arsenal defender is the key word there. He's not a 50 million pound defender. Arsenal just foolishly overpaid for him. Uh, Southampton have underpaid and gotten themselves a bargain in Lianco, the Brazilian. Now, he's not fantastic. He's not top class, but he is a solid defender. And it'll be interesting to see him in the Premier League and see how he'll do. He's long been touted with moves to the Premier League. He stagnated at Torino, is the truth of the matter. He was very, very promising when they signed him. And for his first year or so there, he did really look like a player who was destined for bigger things. He was linked with moves to top clubs, but he's just stayed a little bit too long. Um, and he stagnated to the point they actually sent him on loan um, to Bologna, I think it was. Um, but yeah, he, he'll he be a good addition for Saints. Look, they had to get rid of Vestigardi, the year left in his contract. You would imagine that Salisu and Bednarak will eventually become the first-choice partnership with him as the third option, and then Jack Stevens as the fourth centre-back. And that's a stronger centre-back situation than they had last year, in my view, because I think Salisu's going to be really, really good. They've gotten their right-back situation sorted by bringing in Livermento. They've still got Walker-Peters, obviously, and he, I would hope, will get back into being first-choice because he's certainly the better defender right now. They brought in Perot during the summer uh, to fill the left-back spot. They still need a backup left-back. That is an absolute position of need for them. You would like to see them add one in midfield and one more kind of attacking midfield player. They did they did use El Yunassi last night in the League Cup and he scored a hat-trick. 
So maybe he can have an impact. But central midfield is definitely an area that they have to address and address fairly quickly. Um, Aaron Lennon has re-signed for Burnley. He was previously unattached, having left Burnley. And um, he spent last season with Kaysaspor in Turkey. After being with Burnley for the two seasons before that, he was obviously at Tottenham for most of his career, came through at Leeds. Tottenham stole him quite young because Leeds were having serious financial problems. I think they got him for a million quid, which turned out to be a bargain. He was there for a decade, went and loaned to Everton, then made the permanent move to Everton. His career went shaky and it came out that he was suffering badly from you know mental health problems. But he does seem to have gotten himself back on track, seems to be in a better place. And he is a, a really fun player to watch. I've always liked watching Aaron Lennon play. Great pace, two-footed, goes both ways. Can cut inside, can go on the outside. Good shooter, decent cross for the ball. Needs always needed to add a bit more in the way of goals, but you know, it wasn't really his thing. He, he wanted to set things up for others. But when they had him one wing and bailed the other at Spurs, he was a real handful to deal with. Um, I like Aaron, and it's a good signing for Burnley to get him back. He was a good squad player for them while he was there, and I think. It's a clever move from Sean Dyche to bring him back in. Someone who already knows the club, knows what's expected. He's a leader in the dressing room. I think it's an important move. They, they need squad depth at Burnley. That's been their big issue. Um, lots of fun in the um, League Cup last night. Uh, Burnley beat Newcastle on penalties. By all accounts, Newcastle's performance was an abomination. Uh, I saw a clip of the team in a huddle, I assume before extra time. And Steve Bruce has stood way over to the side, not even taking part. So it doesn't appear like Steve Bruce is having much involvement in the actual running of the team. He might be the manager in name, but he certainly doesn't appear to be the one making the decisions. Uh, Arsenal hammered West Brom 6-0 in the the League Cup. Now, I, I didn't see this one, but I did see something about the West Brom team. Um, okay, Cedric's, Kipre, I know. Roberts, Snodgrass, I know. And Zahore. Okay, so there's one, two, three, four, five, six. What I'm guessing is about eight really young players. Okay, Keeper's 25, but I don't know him. 18-year-old at centre-back alongside a 20-year-old centre-back. The right wing back was 18. The central midfielders were 20 and Robert Snodgrass, who, you know, is 40 at this point. Uh, Adam Reach at left. I do know him. Okay. So I know four of them and the rest are kids. I know four of them. The keepers in his mid twenties, but I've never heard of them and the rest are all children. Arsenal went with Ramsdale, Chambers, Holding, Kalasnach, Tavares, Alneni, Xhaka, Pepe, Odegaard, Saka, and Aubameyang. On the bench, they had Leno, Lacazette, Smith Rowe, Maitland Niles, Mari, Laconga, and Martinelli. While West Brom had a 17 year old, a 20 year old, a 19 year old, another 19 year old, An 18-year-old and another 18-year-old. 
So West Ham played large, or West Brom rather played largely their kids. Arsenal played basically a full strength squad with a couple of changes to the first 11. And Arsenal fans were acting like they'd won the league. They also put Aaron Ramsdale in their man of the match poll. West Brom had four shots on target. I'm guessing they weren't all, you know, screamers heading for the top corner that he had to claw away. But, you know, it seems like they wanted to have him have a, you know, a pleasant debut. He got his pleasant debut. A 6-0 win is always fun. Um, they weren't the biggest winners of the night, though, because Southampton put eight past Newport. Broya, the loan signing from uh, Chelsea, he got two. Nathan Teller got one. Kyle Walker-Peters got one. Nathan Redmond got one. And then Moel Yanassi, he got two. He got three, rather. Um, their record away win, I believe. So all things positive for Southampton there. The third round draw has been made. So we've got Arsenal against AFC Wimbledon. That should be fun. Big draw for AFC Wimbledon. So happy for that one. Uh, Brentford against Oldham. Again, great draw for Oldham getting Premier League opposition. Brighton, who just beat Cardiff, they get Swansea City. Burnley get Rochdale. It's a nice local derby. Little bit of, little bit of spice in that one. Um, Chelsea against Villa. Leads away to Fulham. Manchester City got Wickham Wanderers because they're not allowed to get anybody in the top two flights in these draws. Uh, Manchester United against West Ham. That should be a good one. Millwall at home to Leicester City. Norwich City against Liverpool. Everton away to Queen's Park Rangers. Southampton away to Sheffield United. Watford at home to Stoke City. And then Wolves at home to Spurs. So some old Premier League ties, some interesting, you know, Premiership versus Championship games. And then some really good opportunities for clubs like like AFC Wimbledon, like Oldham, like Rochdale, um, like Wickham, I suppose, to get, you know, big Premier League clubs and get an opportunity to play against them. It's a shame none of those sides got the home game and they could have got that full house and maybe some extra TV money. But it is what it is. Um Oldham and Rochdale are the lowest ranked teams. They're both in League Two. So, you know, I think it's a it's a good effort of them just to get this far. Um that's kind of it for news at the moment. What I oh, before I go any further, I wanted to have a look. I forgot to do this earlier in the week. But the Garth Crooks team of the week is out. And I forgot to look at it. So uh he went for David Rea in goal. Uh, there was no question about it. Yeah, he did make that great save. I'm not sure that's reason enough to put him in the team of the week, but we'll go with it. We'll go with it. Uh, he went for Trent at right back. I gave a moment's thought to giving the spot to Tino Livermento. Um, but that would be nonsense because Trent was vastly superior. He went to Cesar Aspilicueta. That's a bizarre. A bizarre inclusion. He had a decent game. He wasn't brilliant by any stretch. Uh, Shane Duffy. Bizarre. 
really don't know why you'd go with Shane Duffy. He did okay in Brighton's game at the weekend. He wasn't brilliant. And he picked Reese James at left back because apparently there was no left backs playing in the Premier League this weekend. He picked a right back, a right back, one centre back, and a guy who played right wing back at the weekend. So bizarre, bizarre decisions. Um, in midfield, he's got Yves Basima. Fair. He had, a, he had a really, really good game. Really, really good game. Uh, he picked Jordan Henderson. That That's just a ridiculous decision. He wasn't even Liverpool's best midfielder on the day. Uh, Deli Ali, yeah, no problem at all with that. And Damari Gray, he scored, so Garth will think he played well. That's how it works for him. And then he went with Gabby Jesus and Romelu Lukaku. It doesn't matter what week it is. This chap is always going to get things wrong because he just doesn't watch the games. He watches one game, probably Spurs, and then he watches Match of the Day. Absolute dreck. Absolute dreck. I need to take a break after that. We'll be back after this break. Right, welcome back. So, obviously, had a look at Garth Crooks's uh, dreadful team of the week, and um, you know, Garth is just one with bad football opinions. And in the spirit of that, I'm going to have a quick look at bad football takes. There is a Twitter account, I believe, it is just called at Bad Football Takes. We'll have a look at some of the best things they do have to offer on their page right now. We'll just have a look at the last couple of weeks. So, um, oh dear. We have someone, I think it's Young Baz is meant to be his handle, but he's got an X instead of the OU. He's one of those. Uh, Cavani is better than Lukaku. Oh no. No, no, no. Prime Cavani might have been. But that guy doesn't play for Man United. That guy played for Napoli and then Paris Saint-Germain. What you have is old man Givani, who does certain things well, misses a whole bunch of chances, and isn't close to the level that he was five years ago. So that's a shocker to begin with. Um, FCB Aaron 2019. Unpopular, anytime you say unpopular opinion, it generally means you're talking rubbish. Sane1819 is clear of any version of Neymar. Look, there is no bigger fan of Leroy Sane than me, and in 1819 he was absolutely unstoppable. But, let's settle down. Neymar is an incredible footballer. He, he just is. And like, yes, I criticise him regularly for wasting his career in the French League, but Neymar is a better player than Leroy Sané. And I love Sané. I'm a huge, huge fan. But that's just nonsense. Um, MCFC underscore season 26. The season spelled S-Z-N. I'm sorry, but 1718 Gabriel, Gabriel Jesus is better than any version of Robert Lewandowski in terms of football. Oh, God. I shouldn't have done this. This wasn't the thing for today. 
Um, here we go. Prime Alfonso. On popular opinion, Jurgen Klopp has had a more successful managerial career than Sir Alex Ferguson had for Manchester. Let's just close that one and move on. Because there's just no logical argument to make on his behalf. He clearly hasn't had a more successful career than Ferguson had at United. Like You just need to count trophies and you'll see that he hasn't had a more successful career. Because success is about winning trophies. Uh, double pivot, double spelled D-D-O-U-B-L-E. Um, massive blow to Chelsea, the, the last of it. This is so, so sad. French aggressor CBs put their body on the line 100% intensity. No surprise he caught a bad one. He needs to improve his bone density. Okay, it's a picture of Wesley Fafana breaking his ankle or his leg, whichever one got broken. And this idiot's claiming he needs to improve his bone den- density, that his leg shouldn't break from that challenge. What is wrong with these people? Yango, 1993. Lacazette is a better striker than Lukaku. All Lukaku does is score goals. L- L- Lacazette is better hold-up and link play. I can only assume he's only ever seen Lukaku at United and nothing else. And maybe hasn't watched Lacazette play for three years. This one might get me in trouble. Simon Brundish. Uh, Not one of the big transfers in the Premier League this season would get into Liverpool's best team. Not one. And I love Sancho. Jack is great. Lukaku is awesome. Still not one. Sorry, Simon. You couldn't be more wrong. Uh, Lukaku walks into the Liverpool team and Sancho starts over Mane in 2021 because until Mane can prove that last season wasn't just a dip, then Sancho's the better player right now. Um, Lukaku starts without a single shadow of a doubt. You change the system if it means getting him in the team. That is just... It's Drek, Mr. Brundish. Absolute Drek. Um, okay, so this, this is two tweets. So let's see what which one is the nonsense. The pundits in England have the lowest football IQ of any country in the world. Questioning if a top five striker in the world who just won a league title is, won, is worth 100 million, while they ignore the fact that three serial losers like Grealish, Kane and Maguire cost 80 to 160 million. I think that's a fair tweet. Um... Okay, here's the, here's the stupidity. Easy United. Uh, English players are naturally better than foreign players, though, so they deserve the large price tag. Right, you need to go and, and wrap your Union Jack around your son and go marching somewhere off a cliff, preferably. Um, Rafael Hernandez. Now, for people that don't know Rafael Hernandez, uh, Rafael H117 is his uh, Twitter handle. He presents himself as a journalist. You will never, ever find any article with his byline on it ever, other than on his own blog. Uh, he's not a journalist. He's a kid in, a, in Brazil who pretends to be a journalist with inside knowledge on Barcelona. And he has racked up like about 150,000 followers or something, I think. Uh, clearly by telling absolute lies. Uh, he tweeted out, Neymar will always be the worst signing in Barcelona's history. Congrats to Sandra Russell. Um, no, 
they made a hundred million profit on him. He helped them win a Champions League. It's not his fault that they wasted the money on Coutinho and Usman Dembele, who both flopped. Um, here's the belter. So someone asked, is Lionel Messi a bigger sports brand than Michael Jordan? And the answer is no. Like the answer is no. But you know, it's a it's a logical question. A uh, reasonable question. Someone called Scotty underscore J-I, or J-L maybe, a lowercase L. Michael Jordan is known worldwide. Nobody in America, South America, or Asia will have heard of Lionel Messi. He's only famous in Europe. Right. That is... That's incredible. That's genuinely incredible. Um, Idoxy. Neymar is also not in the top five most important PSG. But that's crap. We're just going to move past that. Here's, here's some good ones. For those of you saying... This is from Spencer Owens. This is a real question. This is I think he's quite good. For those of you saying that Messi, Neymar and Mbappe is the best front three ever... Are you absolutely convinced that Mbappe is better than Luis Suarez in his prime? Because I'm not yet. And the answer is, is no, he's not. Um, and the answer is also that Neymar and Messi aren't as good as they were back in 2015. Suarez in 2015 was substantially better than Mbappe is now. Uh, some clown called Ban Normality. Suarez wasn't even that good, really. Good, but not great. Look at his stats for the last 10 seasons. Only twice did he score more than 30 in a season. On the other hand, Mbappe has scored 10 in each of his last three seasons. Sorry, 30 in each of his last three seasons. So, firstly, Kylian Mbappe is playing in the French League. So, scoring 30 goals is not a huge achievement. Okay. Also, that's 30 goals in all competitions. He's only managed it in the league once uh, in his career. So, you know, it, let's factor that in as well. Uh, let's look at Luis Suarez's statistics uh, and see. He says that Suarez has only managed more than 30 goals a season twice. Now, I know without even looking at this that that's nonsense. But let, let's go through this anyway. So, um, career statistics. Right. So the last 10 years brings us back to 10 seasons, gives us to the start of the 12-13 season. In 2012-2013, Luis Suarez scored 30 goals in 44 games to Liverpool. So that's, that's one. The following season, he scored 31 and 37. So that's two. He went to Barcelona. He got 25 and 43. But remember, he missed three months of the season because he was suspended. The next season, he gets 59 and 53. The next season, he gets 37 and 51. The next season, it's 31 in 51. So there's five seasons where Suarez has done it. Okay? Five seasons. Now, if we look at league goals, yeah, he's only done it twice. He did it in Liverpool in 13-14 and at Barca in 15-16. But in all competitions, he's done it five times. But you see, he this idiot is happy to take Suarez league only and Mbappe all competitions. Because that works for his argument. So ban normality 
should ban yourself. You are a moron. Um, someone called STFU underscore sign underscore me. Change the theme song. The Champions League needs a more iconic intro. Uh, you just can't handle it. Chimp underscore moon. VVD can't single-handedly carry a backline like Diaz. This is just tripe. Absolute tripe. VVD on one leg is a better defender than Ruben Diaz. And Ruben Diaz has already looked bad this season. Um, United Trey, this guy is known to be an idiot and talk absolute reams of dung. I was having this argument with my friend and I said, current Messi wouldn't be able to do better for Man United than what Bruno was doing. Want to know if you think I'm right or wrong. He since deleted it because he knew it was stupid. Um, but you know, what are you thinking, Mike? There's, there's ways to hype your player up. You can hype Bruno up in loads of ways without being stupid about it. Um, there's some, some weird stuff here. Uh, Sim, Sima. If Matip is world class, then so is Lindelof. Well, Matip's a lot better than Lindelof, so that's not true. Uh, some other idiot, I think he's an Arsenal fan. If Matip is world class, then so is Gabriel. Again, Matip is substantially better than Gabriel. Matip is not world class, but he is substantially better than both of those two. Uh, underscore Rashford FC. Unpopular moment, Stephen Gerrard has, a popular opinion, Stephen Gerrard has zero iconic moments. The guy can't spell moments properly and wants us to take that football opinion uh, seriously. Elite Labile. No way people to start tweets like this bother me. No way Mason Greenwood has more goals than Lionel Messi as a teenager. The scariest thing is that Greenwood doesn't turn 20 until October. All I'm saying is that Greenwood right now is better than Messi as a teenager. Wow. Wow. I mean, that, that's, that's genuinely some, some staggering stuff to, um, to be that deluded and claim that Greenwood would be better than Messi. Now, I mean, we're talking about the, one of the greatest players ever in Lionel Messi. Um, how this, clown can come out with a statement like that I really don't know I really really don't know how he could come out with a statement like that but I'm not surprised by it I mean this is the type of this is the type of thing you see on Twitter all the time now there's also something else to factor in here he has said in that tweet you know the goals scored. He hasn't mentioned anything about games played. He's also, by the way, included uh, Greenwood's goal for the under-21s in the 1920 season. Because Greenwood has 31 goals in 107 games. Messi, by the time he, thir- he turned 20, uh, had only played 70 games. And he got 26 goals. Do we think if Lionel Messi hadn't played another 30 games or so that he wouldn't have gotten six more goals to even that up? But since we're going to include Greenwood's goal for the other 21 team, shouldn't we then include Messi's goals for Barcelona B and Barcelona C? 
uh, when you include the appearances that he made for them, puts him about even with Greenwood, but with seven more goals scored. So, you know, a little bit of research, very easy to find these things out. Uh, Mason Greenwood is not talented, he's lucky. Well, that's tried. Mason Greenwood's fantastically gifted. And I'm not disparaging him, but the comparison with Messi is nonsense. Uh, Vivek LFC 14. You can tell this guy's a child. I'm going to start a dialogue. Jordan Henderson is better than Sergio Busquets. What? This can't be a real opinion that anybody has. I mean, Busquets is better at everything. He's a better passer. Better defensive player, better captain, a better leader. He's won far more than Henderson. He was actually one of the best players in those teams that won things for Spain and Barcelona, as opposed to being the worst player in the team, carried by your better teammates. What dreadful, dreadful opinion that is. Um, Amit Zohar, another fool. Greenwood at 19, better than Messi at 19. This is great stuff. Uh, some Someone called Sunflower tweets, Ronaldo has already played in the Prem. And then an idiot called Kieran CFC88 replies, and flopped. In what way did Cristiano Ronaldo flop in the Premier League? Like How, how are these real things that people say? I genuinely don't understand how people can come out with statements like this and expect to be taken seriously. In 292 games at Manchester United, Cristiano Ronaldo scored 118 goals. He won three league titles, an FA Cup, two league cups and a Champions League in what, and was the best player in the team. In what way did he flop? And let's remember, those 118 goals... Most of them came with playing as a winger in a four-man midfield, not as a forward player. These are always good. When people put up two teams and, and do the arrow thing as to who's better than who. So it's Chelsea against Arsenal. Uh, Mendy over Leno, fine. Aspilicueta over Chambers, yeah, no-brainer. Uh, ben White over Thiago Silva. Oh, dear. Oh dear, oh dear. And um, Thiago Silva's way past his best. He's still a lot better than Ben White. Uh, Rudiger over Mari is fine. Chilwell over Tierney. No, Tierney's better than Chilwell. A better defender than, than Chilwell. Lakonga over Kovacic. What? I can't even be arsed with the rest of it. Okay, so someone called United's era said, not going to lie, but I'm taking Prime Suarez over Martial every day of the week. Anybody with a functioning brain would do that. And then some other 11-year-old has tweeted, see, these type of tweets are supposed to be jokes, but where you actually say something obvious. But actually, is 1920 Martial that far from Prime Suarez? It's closer than people think. I'd take Suarez, but he isn't better than Martial by a lot. Yes, he is. Yes, he absolutely is, because in 1314, 1415, and 1516, there's a real legit argument that Luis Suarez is not just one of the best players in the world, but the actual best player in the world. The actual best player on the planet for three years. 
there's no doubt that he was in the top two along with Messi. And I do believe that in 13-14 and 15-16 he outperformed Messi. And in that 14-15 season he came back from the suspension he was just unplayable. Domestically, in Europe and at international level I believe for those three seasons Luis Suarez was not, if, if not the best certainly worth a debate with Messi for those three years. And Messi was incredible. That was prime Messi. That's the level Suarez got to. Those three seasons of Suarez, I take over any Cristiano Ronaldo season. You can point to all the goals you want. Show me the creative numbers. Because Suarez was matching him for goals. Show me the creative numbers. This is just nonsense. And here we go. Rico Squeeze. Are you telling me Salah has a bigger brand than Rashford? Yes. Because Rashford's brand is only in England. Salah's is global. Salah's the biggest star in the Arab world. How can you not understand that that's a... Let's move on and do something different. We have some questions from Discord to finish up for the day. Uh, Let's see. Oh, goodness. Dan Kenneth has sent me on a bad take, so we will go through this one first. Okay, this is from At The Showtime Reds. And he's got a picture. I think that's Brian Robson. World-class players in big six clubs. Only correct list. I don't know, not sure what that is, but certainly not correct grammar. Uh, Man United. Oh, wow. He's listed Pogba, Bruno, Varane, De Gea, Cavani, Shaw, and Maguire. So let's, let's, let's take these one at a time. Pogba. World-class talent. Not a world-class player. Never been a world-class player. Bruno, world-class production. I would say he's borderline world-class as a player, and that's fine. If Some will disagree. He's certainly not nailed on. Varane was world-class, isn't anymore. De Gea was world-class, isn't anymore. Cavani definitely isn't now. Whether he was at his prime is debatable. He's rarely been much more than a goal scorer. But if you say he was, then fine. But he's not anymore. There's no question. Luke Shaw's had one good season in eight years since United signed him. He's nowhere close to world class. And Slabhead Maguire's not a top five defender in the Premier League. Top five central defender in the Premier League. So he's not world class by any stretch of imagination. For Manchester City, he's listed only De Bruyne. Now, I I don't think that's actually too mental. Now, I would say Raheem Sterling is worthy of of inclusion on this list. Um, City have a lot of very, very good, but not quite world-class players like Bernardo Silva, uh, Riyad Mahrez, Ilke Gundogan, Rodri, Americ Laporte, Jao Canseo. World-class, I'm not sure. I think De Bruyne and Sterling are the only ones, really. Chelsea, he's listed Kante, who, yeah, absolutely, I'm not going to argue with that. He's listed Jorginho, who's just not world-class. He just, he's just not world-class. He's great six months, but he's not world-class. And Thiago Silva, and as I always say, it's not 2014 anymore, so no. Um, Spurs, he's listed Kane and Son, and I think that's absolutely fair. And Arsenal, he's listed none. And again, I think that's absolutely fair. Now, for Liverpool, he's listed Salah, Van Dijk, and Alisson. They're all world-class. Uh, so is Thiago Alcantara. One disappointing season by you, your expectations doesn't change the fact. And Fabinho's world-class. 
the guy's the best holding midfield player in the league, top three in the world at, at worst. So they're both world class, uh, and there's there's no debate to be had about it. Sadio Mane, prior to the horrendous season he had last year, was certainly a debate whether he was or not. He was certainly in that mix. Trent will get there. I think Andy Robertson's a level below that world class tier. I think he's very very good, but like a lot of the City players, I think he's just a little bit below world class. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Right, what other questions do we have then? Um, right, from Eddie Gibbs. Nobody buys another player in the window. Who is your top six? I would say City first, Liverpool second, Chelsea third, a massive gap, then United, then Spurs, then Leicester. If Chelsea get Kunde, that might push them over the top. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a tight top three this year. Uh, James, what would you think if City got Ronaldo? I honestly wouldn't care much personally, much. personally feel like it would really hurt the fluidity of their attack. Sure, he would score a lot of goals, but would he make them a better team? I don't think he would make them a better team, personally. I wouldn't be all that worried if City get him. He's past his best. He's, a, he's a, still a very good goal scorer, but he offers nothing else. And he completely skews how a team play. I wouldn't be worried at all if they get him. If they get him, Frankly, I'll be quite happy about it. And also, Juventus will be delighted because they'll be rid of him. Um, Fox 1977. Brighton, Brentford or Burnley? Which bottom half B team finishes higher in the final standings and why? I think it will be Brighton. I think they've got the best squad. I think they've got a very good manager in Potter. Now, I don't think he's as good as Dyche, but he does have a much better squad than Dyche has available to him. I think... Brighton will be, if, if they get a striker, I think they can even push on for 10th, maybe. Uh, if they get Cucurella and that striker in, I think they'll be they'll be really good. Uh, any chance all three could be relegated? No. Burnley aren't going down on the dice, in my view. I don't think Brighton will get relegated. Uh, Brentford, I, I do worry a bit, a little bit. Um, Chris Colby, assuming the Conte to Arsenal move that you mentioned earlier this week, who would be the best best available option to replace Oli if United underperform this year? Who do you think they might actually choose if they focus more on name rather than fit? Um, I mentioned him for City, but Lupetegui will be very, very interesting at that club. The ideal one, unfortunately, is currently manager of Chelsea and Thomas Tuchel, um, who get incredible work out of those attacking, attacking talents that United have. And sort out a defensive system that won't get uh, Slabhead Maguire exposed. If Tuchel gets sacked in the meantime, which is always possible with Roman, then United could go for him. Failing that, you know, I don't really know. I I always thought Max Allegri might end up there, but he's obviously gone back to Juve. They'll be a club that will have interest in Conte, but Conte's system doesn't really work for Bruno. Um, now maybe Conte will just move him back into the midfield three and be happy enough with it but then you can't play a front three so you can't really play Sancho so I'm not really sure how that would work they'd like Klopp they won't get Klopp they'd like Simeone I, well they might I think they'd like Simeone 
Um, he'd certainly solve a lot of the defensive issues. I'm not sure he'd make that move. Um, but Simeone would be interesting. Like he, he'd like Juan Bissaka. He'd love Shaw. Maguire and Varane would be fine from, I think he'd probably revitalize De Gea or he might just bin him off and bring in Oblak. Um, he'd definitely want a couple of central midfield players. I think he'd probably play Bruno from a narrow right-sided role. Sancho wide on the left. He'd probably put Pogba in a barrel and push him over a waterfall. And then Greenwood and Martial up front, or Greenwood and Rashford maybe. But yeah, I think I think Simeone would fit there. Um, he'd need a couple of players, but he'd, he'd definitely be looking to sell a few as well. Uh, Owen Hurley, herself is a sister in London, and we're taking the kids over for a couple of days later in the year. What London club offers the best match day experience for a young family? And I haven't been, but I would suggest Brentford, because you mentioned here your buddy said he liked going to Fulham games. Brentford and Fulham aren't all that far apart. Um, I would say Brentford could be your best option. It's a lovely new stadium, very clean, nice area. Uh, I would say Brentford's your best bet. Now, if you were open to getting out of London, uh, I would say go to Brighton, get on the train, head down to the Amex. Really nice stadium. But in London, I would say Brentford for sure. Um, Rick M, how good would an Mbappe Haaland partnership be? On paper, it looks unreal. And who would be the perfect third forward in a three? They may already have him in Asensio as just a, a playmaker off the right. Mbappe off the left, Haaland through the middle, and then Asensio can kind of drop in as a 10, with the other two becoming a two either. They could play as, a, as an out and out two. You could go with wingers. They have, again, Asensio, they have Rodrigo, they have Vinicius Jr. at Real Madrid. I'm assuming we're guessing it's Real Madrid that these two would team up at. But I, I think Asensio would be really, really good um, as a creator. That's probably who I'd who I'd go for as Asensio. If he gets back to, to pre-knee injury form, sensational player. Um, Isaac Gilding, uh, in the world, in the football world as it exists now, who do you think will be good owners for Liverpool FC after FSG eventually go? Obviously, no sovereign wealth funds or oil barons, but what about the owner of Nice? Is there anyone else out there like that rich enough to both buy the club and continually pump money in? Are there any other clubs whose ownerships you're jealous of and could work for Liverpool? The, the club whose it's not an ownership, it's their organisation that I'm jealous of is, is Bayern. I love how they're set up. The fact that they have two boards. One is largely made up of ex-players. They run the kind of day-to-day of the club. They oversee you know, the, the training, the nutrition, all that kind of stuff. They, they oversee the day-to-day football side of things. And then there's like the business board. And on that business board, you've got People from their big partners. So Adidas. Adidas have been making Bayern Munich kits for God knows how long at this point. And it's not because they have an endorsement contract with them or a supply contract. It's because they have a partnership. That's what it is. Bayern have a partnership with Adidas. And there is an Adidas... um, An Adidas employee. He's the, He's the the general counsel for Adidas 
on the board of Byron, on the supervisory board. So it's the supervisory board is Herbert Hainer, who's the president of Barcelona, of, of Barcelona, of Bayern Munich. Then you've got Jan Henneman, who is the general counsel for uh, Adidas. That's a partnership, long term. So is Audi. Um, Marcus Duzman is on the board for Bayern. He's from, he's an Audi employee. Alliance, that's another partnership that they have. And Dr. Werner Zedelus, who is a board member at Alliance, he represents Alliance on that board. Unicredit Bank, they've got a person on the board. Deutsche Telekom, which is, I believe, T-Mobile, they've got a person on the board. And then they've got a vice president of the club and an advisory board chairman who is um former minister or something, some former government official or highly ranked government official. So that's their supervisory board. They're the ones that run the business side of Bayern. They're the ones that make the big financial decisions. They're the ones who go out and seek investment in the club, who go out and seek commercial opportunities. And again, like I say, you've got Adidas, Audi, Alliance, Unicredit Bank and Deutsche Telekom. Not all of them appear as, you know, notable sponsors. Ajax make the shirts, T-Mobile's across the jersey. Or Adidas make the shirts, T-Mobile across the jersey. And Alliance is obviously the, the stadium sponsor. But they've had long, long-term partnerships with Audi and with Unicredit Bank. Then you've got the executive board. And again, these are the guys in charge of the day-to-day running of the team. Oliver Kahn is chairman of the executive board. Jan Christian Driesen is the deputy chairman of the executive board, and he's over finance. Andreas Young, former player, he is over marketing. Uh, Hassan Halis, Halis, Hamazic, Sally Hamazic, God, Hassan Sally Hamazic is the director of sport, so fo- director of football. And Jorg Wacker is the director of strategy. I just love how they're set up. I think it's absolutely perfect the way they're set up. But the way they're set up wouldn't work for us because, you know, the 50 plus one rule. Um, in terms of what ownership owner I would like, I do like Jim Ratcliffe. I have to say, um, Jim Ratcliffe would be an interesting one for sure. Hugh Grosvenor, I mean, Hugh Grosvenor would interest me. He's young. He's only like 30, 31. He's Earl Grosvenor. Um, his father, Gerald. I I think he he had a, a big interest in Liverpool. As far as I can remember, he was very much a Liverpool fan. I could be wrong with that, but I think the sixth Duke of Westminster, Gerald Grosvenor, I think he was a Liverpool fan. And his son, Hugh, uh, I think is as well. So that could be an interesting one. Uh, he's worth about nine billion, so he's not mega mega wealthy, but you know, for a thirty year old, it's not it's not bad. Um, Jim Dyson maybe this the, the vacuum guy. Um, Jim Dyson's British Britain's richest man now. He's he's overtaken Jim Ratcliffe. Um, he's worth twenty seven billion, and Ratcliffe is worth twenty five billion. So either of them would work for me. Either of them would be fine. Uh, we'll finish and wrap up with the gossip of the day. Paris Saint-Germain won €220 million Euro from Real Madrid for killing Mbappe. He's got a year left of his contract, lads. Settle there. That's £50, £51 million pounds more than what Real offered. 
Manchester City have not ruled out signing Cristiano Ronaldo after failing to get Harry Kane. Sign away. Uh, Ronaldo's agent, George Mendes, is keen for him to leave the Turin side and also looking for a club who are willing to pay a £25 million transfer fee and his full wages. Brilliant. Imagine paying money to take on that kind of wage for a 36-year-old who's very clearly declining at quite a rapid pace. Um, Chelsea were priced out of a move for Erling Haaland due to Mino Riola's demands. They weren't priced out of a move. There was no move to make. He wasn't sold. He wasn't available for sale. Pep Guardiola will leave Manchester City in 2023. That's fine. Uh, Arsenal manager Mikel Arteta is not in immediate danger of losing his job, despite the Gunners' poor start. Uh, the Arsenal are going to be simple. We'll keep him. Edu will, will want him to stay because Edu is afraid that if he goes and someone like Conte comes in, Conte is immediately going to point to him and say, that guy's a klutz, get him out of here. Liverpool are considering a move for Sevilla winger Lucas Acampos. I would be very happy with that. I, I do really like Lucas Acampos, I have to say. Roma manager Jose Mourinho is planning a £13.5 million bid for Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Uh, I would say loan, don't buy. Manchester United will not be able to bid for Eduardo Camavinga or Saul Neves unless they can raise funds. Um, yeah, nobody wants to buy the players they have for sale, so tough luck. Chelsea are thought to be in pole position to sign Saul. Would it let it go open to selling the Spanish international? Yeah, they're open to selling him, not open to loaning him. So, no, Chelsea aren't really in pole position at all, are they? Barcelona and Atletico Madrid have both expressed interest in Bernardo Silva. Both clubs have said to favour a loan deal. Barca are broke, so they'd have to do a loan deal. Sevilla say they've rejected an offer from Chelsea from for Jules Kunde and do not need to sell any players. We'll see. Chelsea and RB Leipzig are possible destinations for Barcelona midfielder Iliax Mariba. If the 18-year-old Ghanaian does not renew his contract, he's, he's, he's already told him he's not renewing his contract, so I think that's as good as done. He's on his way out the door. Barcelona and Spanish midfielder Sergio Busquets agreed to take a former pay cut. This was yesterday as well. I think I think he's probably his third or fourth pay cut at this point. Former Arsenal and England midfielder Jack Wilshere says he's considering retiring after receiving no offers following his release by Bournemouth. It's a, there's an article on the Athletic David Ornstein interviews him. It's actually very, very sad what's happened for Grealish and how his career has panned out. Uh, Grealish, um, Wiltshire, I should say, he, he was such a talented player coming through at Arsenal. Had a bad ankle injury and he just never really recovered and he never progressed and he never became a better player than he was at 18. Uh, Wolves want to join the race to sign Lille defender Sven Botman with the player also been linked with the likes of Tottenham and Liverpool in the past. He'd be an incredible signing for Wolves. I don't see it happening personally. Uh, that is it then. That is us for today. Thank you as always for listening. Thank you to Mr. Guy Drinkle. I will see you tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.